to The Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Ah, good morning to you. It's 10 minutes after 9 o'clock. Boy, the sun is shining brightly. It's a beautiful day in Utah's Dixie. Now, it is Open Line Friday, but uh, we're going to delay that just a little bit because I had a, a great opportunity to get Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox on the line. He's a very busy man uh, running for election, running for governor. And uh, first of all, uh, let's thank uh, Spencer for being here. Mr. Cox, how are you today? Andy, I'm great, but not as well as you because it's a blizzard at my house in oh. Santee County. And- and you're enjoying sunny St. George, but I'm going to be there tomorrow, so save some sunshine for me. Okay, we will. We'll save you a little bit. In fact, it's supposed to be a fantastic weekend. So, But, uh, yeah, right. I mean, I'm looking out my big picture window here at KDXU, and it's about, uh, it's almost 50 degrees, and the sun is shining, and there's like maybe eight clouds up there, and they're all small. So, uh, I, 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 Oh, man, I, I can't even see my neighbor's house across the field from my <laughs> farm. It's snowing so hard. Well, that's the first thing I wanted to do was introduce you. Uh, of course, you're the lieutenant governor. You're uh, running uh, for governor. Right now, the, the polls are good for you. You're in first place. I, I kind of uh, whispered to you in, uh, at the, uh, the little conference the other day that it looks like it's yours to, yours to lose. You, you are the front runner right now. That's got to feel pretty good, huh? Well, there's no question that, that it feels great to have the support of so many people in the state of Utah. We've been uh, running a little different campaign maybe than we've ever seen in the state of Utah. I made a decision uh, when, when my wife and I decided the governor asked us to run, and, and we, it was a hard decision for us. But when we decided to do it, we, uh, you know, here, here in Fairview where I live, we, we never get candidates for governor uh, coming here. And yeah. I wanted to change that. And so we made a decision to visit all 248 uh, incorporated cities and towns in Utah. Uh, we've been doing that. We've been to 202 of them. Uh, we've also been doing service projects in, uh, in in every corner of the state. We've done over 50 service projects now, which again is very different for, for a campaign. And, and, and the best part is it brings out people who might not come to a political rally, but they want to make their communities better. And that's really what makes Utah special. We lead the nation in charitable giving. We lead the nation in volunteerism. And that's why we have the, the most successful state in the country, not because government it's because we work together government and the private sector the public sector uh, everybody working together and, and that's that's really shown up in the support we have not just in the polling but um we uh we have more small dollar donors than all the other campaigns combined and when somebody sends you ten dollars or twenty five dollars and it's the first time they've ever given to a campaign um that that's that's huge and resonates, and we're so grateful for those people and uh, and the support we have, especially in southern Utah. Spencer, I've had uh, now you're the fourth out of the six candidates running for governor on the show. And, uh, you know, first of all, I, I'm impressed with the field. I think every one of them is sharp and, and all of them would make a fine governor. But tell us about why Spencer Cox would maybe be a little different than the others. Well, l- let me just concur with you. Uh, we, we are so fortunate here in the state of Utah to have on the Republican side now six candidates, all of whom I know very well. Uh, they're, they're great people. They're, they're, uh, they're very talented. And uh, you don't see that in other states. You, you may have one or two, but not, not to have six like that. So I, I yeah. agree with you, and I appreciate that. Uh, but, but there are definitely some differences, and I, I want to talk about those. So first of all, as I mentioned, born and raised in the small town of Fairview, um, I'm the only candidate that lives south of, of what we jokingly call the, the Pacey-Dixon Pacey Dixon line. line. Yeah. Now, let me, let me interrupt you real quick, because a lot of people don't know where Fairview is, if you want to enlighten us. 
Sure. So Fairview is in Sampy County. Um, your listeners may know the big cities in Sampy, Ephraim and Manti. Yeah, the big um, ones. Yeah. College. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's it. So we're we're kind of in the middle of the state. Um, I so out of nowhere, the governor asked me to be the lieutenant governor six years ago. To my surprise, um, j- just a little background. Again, born and raised here, six generations on the same farm. My great 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 grandfather settled, wow. married my wife from my high school sweetheart from Mount Pleasant, who also grew up on a farm. Uh, went to Utah Snow College in Utah State. Went to law school back in Virginia. Came back to work for a big law firm. And my dad said, "Hey, why don't you take a cut and pay and come back and raise your kids on the farm." and helped me run the, the, the telecommunications company that had been in my family for 100 years. And so uh, we, we did that, and I got to be the – I got appointed to the city council in my town and then mayor and county commissioner, uh, the House of Representatives, for nine months when the governor asked me to be the, uh, the, the lieutenant governor. Wow. And so for the, we, we, for the past six years, um, I've been commuting 200 miles round trip. Uh, we're still on the farm raising our kids there. And, and I, I think that gives I, I know it gives me really a unique perspective on the state. This growing divide between the Wasatch Front and the rest of Utah is, is troubling to me and it's concerning to me. And it's not just here. It's across the country. Um, we saw it in the 2016 presidential election. You know, you have this sea of red across rural America and then these deep pockets of blue on the coast and, and the big cities. And it's, it's a dangerous divide as people are feeling left behind in rural Utah. So that, that definitely gives me a distinction. Um, something else, I, I, I'm the only can, I believe, in the history of the state that has the, the breadth of experience, someone who has run a private business for 10 years, a very successful private business, um, and, and also, though, served as a city councilman, a mayor, a county commissioner in the House of Representatives and lieutenant governor and understands the way local government interacts and, and really how important local government interacts. Too often, people get into higher office and they think they should be solving all the problems. And, and first of all, government was never designed to solve all of our problems and certainly not at the state and national level. Decisions are best made at the local level and having that experience will make me a better governor. But above that, um, I, I, I just believe that the most important issue facing our state right now is is education and, and, and public education and where we're headed that way. We have a teacher shortage in our state. Uh, we, uh, we're, we're, we're falling behind. We're doing the best we can with what we have, but we, we focus too much on high-stakes testing and, and really taking the joy of teaching out of the classroom. And uh, we, we, we're, we've been holding teachers accountable. Now it's time to hold politicians accountable. And, uh, and, to, and we need parents to step up. Um, that's really where, where education begins is, is in the home, and, and parents are, are giving more and more of that over to teachers. And it, it's time to have a discussion about how we change that. All right. That, that sounds like a great idea. We'll talk about some of the other issues in a minute. I wanted, I wanted to ask you a little bit of a wild card question. We've had some beloved governors in this state, uh, Norm Bangader, Scott Matheson, uh, even uh, Southern Utah and Mike Levitt. Uh, is there any governor in the past that you might maybe compare yourself to is it, I, I, ideologically? Well, there there are, and and, and again, we we have to have had some beloved governors, and uh, and I think again some some great Republican and conservative governors that that I look up to very much. Um, Norm Bangader, uh, I was young when mm-hmm. when Norm was the governor, but I had a chance to meet him, and uh, his family has endorsed me and supports me, and I'm I'm very grateful for that. For me, Mike Levitt, that especially, so I I met Mike Levitt was the first governor I got to know, yeah. um, and uh, he. He, he so impressed me. Again, he had that kind of rural background coming from southern Utah and, and also that 
when, when he came on as a young guy, youngest governor we've ever had in our in our state's history, that that first term of, of Mike Levitt's governorship is is as great as any we've seen. And uh, so grateful for him and his leadership and the advice he's been able to give me as we've talked. And, and of course, I, I get to serve with Governor Herbert and, uh, and and he's one of the best people you will ever meet. I tell people he's exactly who you hope he is hmm. in person, him and his wife, Jeanette. Um, there is nobody that is more down to earth, nobody that loves and cares and gives back um, than, than Governor and, and the First Lady, uh, Jeanette. And I'm lucky to know them so well. One of the things that uh, you mentioned, Governor Herbert, and yeah, I think he's been a fantastic governor as well. Uh, but, you know, he, he came out in support of this uh, tax reform bill, uh, even the original one, House Bill 441, back in the day. I know you've gone on record as saying you are, you are against this, uh, where you've worked so close with Governor Herbert. Uh, you know, how does the difference come, to play, come into play there? Well, you know, look, the, the role of the lieutenant governor is to support the governor. And uh, he will tell you, in fact, when, when he picked me, he told me this. He said, look, you and I are not going to agree on everything. Um, my wife and I don't agree on everything, and I don't expect that. But we are going to have vigorous debate, and, uh, and I will listen to you. And uh, sometimes I'll agree with you, and sometimes I won't. And when I don't, you know, I'll, I have to make that decision because I'm the governor. And so in the past, when we've had those, uh, those important decisions, um, I, I've, I've gone out and I've defended that and uh, and I understand. Let me let me just state for the record what the legislature did and what your legislators uh, down in Southern Utah and the governor did. This is a really important issue that needs to be solved, and uh, and I'm grateful for their willingness to step up. It was not easy for them to to do this, and of course they've they've taken a lot of, uh, of heat for that. What they were trying to do is the right thing. Now I disagree um, with the way it was done, and uh, and I let the governor know that, and he said, "Look, I." I know you need to fall in line behind me because that's what lieutenant governors do. But I also know you're running for office, and uh, and I understand that. And the people need to hear from you, and the people need to know on this issue uh, your your thoughts. And I'm okay that they're different than mine, and uh, and I'll be forever grateful to him for giving me that that latitude and that opportunity to come out and and tell people my my thoughts. And so uh, so so I understand why why uh, why people are upset with this this law. And again, there's a reason that. I didn't support it, and I think there there are some great things in there, unfortunately, that aren't being talked about. Um, One of those is we are one of only, like, I think seven or eight states that that taxes Social Security, and uh, and this law would would change that, and and that's a big deal for people on a fixed income, and uh, I I don't think most seniors probably know that, that it was in the bill. Uh, I'm grateful that that they looked at a tax cut. Again, uh, I think there are better and different ways to do that, and, and the food tax is probably the most controversial piece of this yeah. and uh, and so there, there are some things uh, you know we'll see what happens with the referendum um, I know the signature gathering has has really picked up over the past few days um, I can't uh, opine on the referendum because my office I have to be neutral on that my office oversees the referendum process and we're processing those signatures and uh, and so it's uh, it's going to be close I think there's a lag behind you know what we see when signatures get turned in and what actually has been accomplished so there's still quite a ways to go, and uh, we should know next week whether or not they have the signatures. Do you think, I know you have to stay neutral on that, that particular topic, do you think they'll get there, though? No? Does it look like it's headed that way? Uh, you know, I, I get asked this a lot, and, and just judging by the, the rate the signatures are coming in in the past few days, 
Um, I, I think I would give it maybe a 50-50 shot. It's a, it's a really high bar, and, uh, and, and it started out pretty slowly. Um, it has picked up, of course, uh, you know, there, there are some grocery chains that are allowing signature gathering now, and, and I think that that's, um, that's increased the rate of signature gathering. Mm-hmm. I think yesterday we saw uh, 7,000 signatures come in, which is the, the most we had seen in a, uh, in a single day. We'll see what today's report is. Um, but, uh, but, but those numbers need to be a little higher than that to have a shot to get to the 116,000 that are needed in the 40-day period. So, um, But again, uh, you just don't know because of the lag that we see and when they're collected and when they're actually turned into us. We're talking with Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox, who is running for governor in November. We'll find out if, if he wins that race. Certainly some big names in the race as well. You heard, uh, of course, uh, John Huntsman Jr. Uh, uh, threw his hat in the ring uh, just a few months ago. Uh, it felt like before Huntsman entered the race, Spencer, that, that uh, you, it was almost a slam dunk. You had this thing in the bag. Huntsman comes in and brings a whole new d- dynamic. Now, the polls still have you quite, quite a ways ahead, but uh, it, you know, d- does him entering the race change how you do things? Well, it doesn't change the way we're we're running the race, um, and that's that's just who we are. Uh, we we believe very strongly in in uh, the importance of civility, but also being a consistent conservative uh, that that has been here and stand by um, what we've been able to accomplish over the past ten years, which is remarkable. Again, uh, just just a, a couple notes that I think people will appreciate. We have been the number one economy for job growth, private sector job growth over the last ten years, and it's not even close. Uh, we we've had an increase of 36% in private sector job growth over that time that I've been in service. And uh, and the next closest state is only 27%. Uh, we are also the most diverse economy in the country. And, uh, and there's just so many good things. When you look at the people at the polling, the right track, wrong track, um, Utah's by a large margin believe that Utah is on the right track. And we're very proud of our record. Um, I will say we were as surprised as anybody um, that, uh, that Ambassador Huntsman had decided to come back, um, uh, having been gone from the state for 10 years, and, uh, and then just coming back one month and a couple weeks later announcing a, a run for governor. Uh, but, but he, you know, he, he has a billion dollars and a name that everyone in the yeah. state knows, and yeah. uh, you, you can trust that with a kid on the farm from San Pete County, and it's clear we have a very, very uphill battle um, if we're going to have a chance at this. But, but again, I, I, our, what's different with us is um, it's that grassroots support. It's, it's everyday people talking to their neighbors and, and, uh, and, and sending $10 with us to help us get our message out. Um, that's, that's how we have a chance to win. And uh, we're excited. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in June. Now, you're not a life, lifetime politician like some of the other uh, candidates. In fact, it almost felt like when you were asked to be lieutenant governor, you weren't sure you even wanted to get into that. Is that true? Uh, yeah, yeah it, it's very true. In fact, um, so, so what happened was the governor called me in, and Greg Bell had resigned, people may remember that, midterm. Yeah. So this was an appointment, and again, I had just been elected to the House of Representatives. And now, uh, those other positions I talked about, those were part-time. I mean, you know, I had my real job running a telecommunications company that was growing rapidly. Um, I was living here, raising my kids, farming every day, and just, just had the perfect life. And uh, out of nowhere, the governor asked me to, uh, to be the lieutenant governor, and he said, you know, I'll give you some time 
time to think about it. Nobody knew who we were. And uh, it was the hardest decision we've ever made. I remember my little girl, she was six at the time. I have four kids, uh, one down at SUU right now, just home from a mission. Another one is in Tahiti for two years. And then uh, my son in high school and then my daughter, she was six at the time. And, and she got off the bus and from, from, uh, in first grade. And, and I just, I just kind of lost it. And I thought, I, you know, I can't, I can't miss this. Mm. And full-time politics had never been something that we wanted to do. And I came in and I told my wife, I said, uh, I said, Abby, uh, I think I'm going to have to tell the governor no. Um, and she said, are you, are you sure about this? And she <laughs> said, Look, we need to think about it. And, uh, and she just said, you know, she said, I've been thinking about it. And, and she said, the problem in our country today is that we have too many politicians that really, really want these jobs. And uh, she said, I, I think we need more people that don't want these jobs. And maybe the, mm. maybe the fact that we don't want to do this means that we should and uh, that, that it should be hard. It was meant to be a sacrifice. She'd just been reading uh, the Chernow biography on, on George Washington and, and his always wanting to go back to the farm. And, uh, and, and she said, I just, uh, she said, I think, I think we need to sacrifice and it's going to be another big cut in pay and you're going to have to commute 200 miles round trip, but we'll figure out a way to make it work. And, and she was the one that changed my mind on that. And, I, and I'm so grateful because the past six, six years, again, no matter what happens in June, um, the past six years serving the state of Utah has been a once in a lifetime opportunity and uh, something I'll never forget. Um, people are so good here and there are so many incredible things happening. And, and I've said this before that, you know, the, the, the worst of times brings out the best of people. And I've seen that I get to see people on their best days and mm. I get to see people on their worst days, whether we're giving an award or, you know, cutting a ribbon or, or talking to someone who's, who's starting a new business or we've seen tragedy. We've seen soldiers killed overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we saw tragedy in, in southern Utah in the Hilldale area a couple of years ago when yeah. that tragic flood took away two families and the governor was in China and I, I had to go down there and be with those families and to see communities um, come together and rally and support each other. I, I just love our state and it's been an honor to serve. Can I ask you, we only have a couple of minutes left, can I ask you about uh, some of the Southern Utah issues? Let me start with with growth. Uh, We have explosive growth. Some people have us as in the top five counties in the country in growth down here in Washington County. There are so many issues that go into growth. Uh, Is there there anything from the governor's office, if you're elected governor, that that can help us deal with what's what's just kind of crazy down here in St. George? Absolutely. And, and I see that growth. Um, so so it, there's a very simple formula I've shared before. But when uh, when infrastructure precedes growth, the quality of life stays high. When uh, when growth precedes infrastructure, the quality of life declines. And so our focus has to be on infrastructure. And there is a role for the state to play in that. Mm-hmm. And we're working very closely with your incredible. And let me just say your legislators in southern Utah are, are the best. And I'm not saying that to pander. I don't say that about everywhere I go. Um, they really are. They're good friends. Uh, they're they're incredible in what they do, and they have a huge voice. And so there, there we have to be able to invest in infrastructure. Um, of course, there's the uh, there's the Lake Powell pipeline. Uh, water is we just we have to have water. Um, we've got to support that, and we've got to get that done. And uh, and then there's some uh, there's some traffic infrastructure as well. And I know we're working on that. The uh, the, the parkway there, the the Washington Parkway um, in the northern quadrant is going to be critical to get that done those are the things that we need to continue focus on to make sure that the growth in uh, in washington county and on the wasatch front is sustainable um, so that our kids and grandkids can live here 
One of the things I hear all the time, Spencer, and by the way, we're talking with Spencer Cox, the lieutenant governor. One of the things I hear all the time down here is uh, this feeling, and you addressed it early on, uh, the disconnect between uh, Washington County and the Wasatch Front and, and the fact that sometimes it feels like we're forgotten. Uh, you know, what, what do you say to that? Well, it's because sometimes we are forgotten. Again, as somebody who lives south of there, it's not that they don't like us or don't care about us. It's just that sometimes they don't think about us. And one thing that will be very different in a uh, a Cox administration moving forward is that we will have diverse representation at every level, and, and, and that includes geographical representation. I will have members of my cabinet from Washington County um, that, that work, they'll, they'll be able to work remotely, they'll spend time in Salt Lake, but, but we make better decisions when we have representation from all over the state. Far too often, I'm the only person in the room that doesn't live on the Wasatch Front. Hmm. And I have to remind people, hey guys, you haven't thought through this. And, and when I do that, they're willing to listen and they're willing to help, but, but far too, if I'm not in the room, then who is? And I'm going to make sure that we have representation in the room a, a, in every decision. Yeah, you know, we're, we're only 110 miles from Las Vegas here, but we are firmly Utah here in, uh, in Washington County. And so that's good to hear, Spencer, that, uh, that you recognize that and uh, that you're aware that uh, we have a voice that needs to be heard down here in southern Utah. No question. And, and look, I, I tell people all the time, and we're lucky, we have a lot of people moving in from other states, and, and we're grateful that they're here. And I remind them, hey, there's a reason you moved. It's because Utah's different and Utah's unique. We love you. We're glad you're here. Don't try to change us into where you left because you won't like it. He's Spencer Cox, Lieutenant Governor, running for governor in, uh, in November. It's a big time. Now, now, give us real quick, I know you've got to go, timeline on what's next uh, for the campaign. Well, thank you, and we'll wrap up because I know you need to go. But uh, for Southern Utah, most importantly, we're we're taking the dual path to the ballot, so we're going to the caucus convention system. I believe in the caucus convention system. We are also gathering signatures, and we need 28,000 registered Republicans. We will be down in St. George tomorrow at uh, at Senator Don Ibsen's car garage there at 2158 West, 1800 North. We're going to have hamburgers and famous Ernie's chicken for everyone. Um, you can go to my Facebook page or go to votecox.com for uh, for details but we'll be there at noon at don Ibsen's car garage to come and meet us and collect your signature and uh, we can't wait to see uh, all of you in sunny st george tomorrow sounds good be careful driving thank you so much thanks spencer that's spencer cox uh, joined us today on the andy griffin show we've got to get a break in uh, just a fantastic job to hear from him we've how, uh, now had four out of the six candidates on the republic republican side here on the show and hopefully we'll get those last two in there they have been invited it's time for open line friday on the andy griffin show it's your chance to be heard air your grievances and take your shot only on open line friday on the andy griffin show welcome back it's 9 36 thanks thanks so much for joining me today uh and uh thank you again to lieutenant governor spencer cox he'll be in town tomorrow if he can get through the snowstorm to get here uh and enjoy some of our sunshine i think he said it was noon at don ibsen's garage 
Uh, Don Ipson, of course, is a state senator from uh, down here, and he's got himself a garage with some classic cars and stuff. Loves loves the classic cars, and I didn't catch the address on that, but uh, maybe I can have uh, maybe I can have uh, Stephanie here. Stephanie's in in the studio, by the way. Have her look that up. Don Ipson's garage, uh, but they'll be serving hamburgers and uh, shaking hands and and uh, you know drinks and stuff like that, and just talking to people. A uh, little grassroots movement there from Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox. All right, a couple of things I wanted to talk about today. And, again, it's open line, so if you want to call 673-5890 is the phone number, 673-5890. Love to hear from you. Unfortunately, the uh, Lieutenant Governor had to go, so we don't have him for the rest of the show. But uh, you've got me, and uh, and uh, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, I want to talk guns a little bit today, and uh, kind of interesting. A couple of stories on the wire piqued my interest on this. First of all, in Virginia, now this is a weird situation. They're having a pro-gun rally in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, and, you know, you would think if you're having a pro-gun rally, how many people at that rally are going to be packing heat? Well, probably a good percentage of them. Well, the governor of Virginia, his name is Ralph Northam, uh, a noted liberal, uh, he said the uh, that he has instituted a governor's uh, edict banning guns at the pro-gun rally. Now, the reason that he was alarmed was there were three or four white supremacists who have come out and said, hey, I'm going to come and you know, show up with my gun and we're going to get something done here. He was afraid, and I understand, and it makes sense, he was afraid that there was going to be a violent uh, incident and uh, so he enacted a state of emergency, and he has banned guns at the pro-gun rally. Uh, I, I don't know how that's going to go over over there in Vir- Virginia. Uh, the judge, by the way, upheld the ban on guns. Meanwhile, Karen Vaught, who is a, from a group called Moms Demand Action, says she will join fellow counter-protesters. Now, after the guns have been dan- banned, she will go- join fellow counter-protesters protesting the pro-gun rally an interesting situation and maybe a tinderbox. Now, this rally is planned for next week. I think it's next Saturday. Uh, and something to keep an eye on. I Honestly, you can ban guns if you want to, but, you know, if a guy, if, if a guy has a concealed carry permit, he's probably going to bring it anyway, right? And then if you have counter-protesters and they, it starts getting violent, that, that could be a really, really scary situation. Meanwhile, how about this story? More people are packing heat at airports than ever before. Here's a little soundbite about that. The TSA reports a record number of guns were seized at security checkpoints last year, a whopping 4,432. Most were in carry-on bags and nearly 90% were loaded. The airport with the most guns was in Atlanta. The other top four cities include Dallas, Denver, Houston, and Phoenix. The TSA does allow guns in checked bags as long as they're unloaded, locked in a hard-sided case, and declared upon check-in. Brian Shook, NBC News Radio. And that's a clear distinction there. You can bring a gun on the airplane if it is unloaded and it is locked and it's in a hard side case so somebody can't just rip it open and you declare it. And these people are bringing guns to the airport knowing full well, usually in carry-on, some, sometimes concealed carry, knowing full well that they can't get it on an airplane with a gun. What? And, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they think they can. It, I, it just doesn't make any sense to me why these people keep bringing guns to airport. They take them away and they don't give them back. By the way, 
So your four or five hundred dollar gun, or however much you spend on it, is going to go bye bye. And uh, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. And by the way, if you're traveling on an international flight, uh, even a checked gun is not allowed. You can't take your gun to Europe. That's a no no. They don't like guns in Europe. So uh, all right, let's go to the phone line. See what people have on their mind today. Uh, line one, Seth. What's up, man? I carried a gun every time I traveled. One of my team members doing audits was assassinated in her room. So when that happened, I decided that it was Kansas City, Missouri. I decided that maybe I should carry a gun, too. And uh, I got a lot of, back then, it was many years ago, back then it was uh, looked at askance when I was checking in that really? I was doing that. Hmm. Okay, and you can't do that. And I said, I sure can. I, I know the rules and regulations, and if you follow them, uh, and then they used to put a big orange sticker on the side, firearm inside. Hmm. Yeah, and so, of course, the, the baggage handler would say, oh, there's a four, five, six hundred thousand dollar gun in there. Yeah. Okay, so, um, and, the first, and the Second Amendment, make sure that we, ha- we can do the other Ten Amendments because uh, we have the absolute right to defend ourselves. Yes, we do, but... Uh, okay, yeah. and so uh, I suspect that, that he's going to have a huge problem, and uh, I can guarantee you uh, the governor may not have a gun, but he will have 20 or 30 people running around him in a security team that do. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely right about that. And, and uh, that whole thing is a little bit a little bit scary, though, because you do have some fanatics, Seth, that are going to have guns that uh, you, know, you say right to your d- defend yourself. They're going to be on the offensive, not on the defensive, some of those guys. Well, I would hope not. I, yeah. I never intend to use a gun in any shape or form unless it is a matter of life or death to me and my family. All right. Well said. Well said. Okay. Um, I'd like to have asked the governor, and and as far as I'm concerned, we've only heard two governors that we could ask, or two people running for governor questions. So the other two, I don't consider they present. They came here and and uh, spoke to us. Uh, so the two questions I would have liked to ask is, uh, and I'm uh, way concerned that the current governor is recommending the lieutenant governor, just like. Uh, uh, Sen- uh, Senator Hatch recommend our good friend uh, Mitt Romney. Romney yeah. Yeah. So I, I get a little uh, antsy. I wanted to ask him about the um, refugees coming from the Congo and people coming in and them. Um, and I'd like to know the, the health status and I'd like to know details about that. And he would have probably been a pretty good person to ask about that. I, yeah, I, w- I would say, and he's actually very responsive to questions. And if you want to go to his website, uh, his website, is, you know, I had it right here and now it's gone, is uh, SpencerCox.com, ElectSpencerCox.com. So, all right. All right. Thank, thanks, Seth. All right, real, real quick. I, I got people on hold real quick. Yeah. The second question would have been the, if uh, the, uh, Burnham, is that the fellow with the speaker? Birmingham, yeah. Birmingham, okay. He he pledged to me and to the voters here that he wouldn't raise taxes. I'd like to. I'm not going to vote for anybody that's raising taxes. Oh, good call there. Yeah. All right, sir. All right, thanks, Seth. Good to talk to you today. Let's go to line two. Caller, you're on with Andy on Open Line Friday. What's on your mind? Oh, good morning, Andy. Morning. Well, first off, um, I think it's kind of funny that uh, blackface abortum. I'm sorry, Northam. Yeah, Northam. I, you know. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so concerned about guns and constitutionally protected gun ownership, but abort all the babies you want. Yeah. Isn't, um, isn't that ironic? You know, yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, Seth kind of stole a little thunder there. It's amazing. You can't have a gun. And, you know, he talks in a wonderful southern accent about, y'all can't have no guns and you don't need to bring no guns around here. But, by golly, my arm team going to be everywhere I go. Yeah. But uh, if you want to talk about violence, Mr. Northam, and I know he's not going to hear me. But uh, what about Antifa and all of your tolerant, diverse, and fair little lefty groups that like to show up and beat the crap out of people because they wear a Trump hat? Yeah, yeah, it's I this this banning guns at a gun rally is just that's absolutely comical. Is, is what well, it is. it's it's a, it's a typical response from a lefty Democrat. Yeah, you know, and and that's point blank. This is how the left thinks. This, I mean, no matter what they tell you about, no, 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 we just want responsible gun safety and and put it behind all their cute little buzzwords. When it comes right down to it. Um, they want to confiscate them. And uh, I don't remember which one of the candidates it was for president that come out and said, hell yeah, we're going to take them. Hmm. You know, so this is what it's really all about. You know, they they hide it behind this and cloak it behind that, but they want them gone. The only people in their minds that need to have guns are them. And um, that's pretty hypocritical. Yep. Yeah. And look through history. Whenever the government is the only one that has guns, it usually ends very badly for the subjects because you're no longer a citizen. Yeah, you're right about that. And I'll tell you this, over 100 million Americans have have admitted to owning a gun, and it's going to be ugly if they try to take those away. Thanks for the call today. Let's go to line three. Caller, you're on with Andy this morning. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning, Andy. How are you? Good. What's up? Hey, I got a good one for you, and I'll go quickly. Okay. Um. This gun issue, there's a there's a little bit of a mix up here. First of all, I, I I'm down in Nevada now. Now, if you got if you got you're smoking marijuana, you go to dispensary, you sign your name, you're John Henry. Can you still go get a concealed weapons permit to protect yourself when you go buy the marijuana? I don't you know. Cannot can you cannot go in no. that dispensary with a gun. Hmm. You know that, right? I did not know that. I don't no. care if you got a concealed weapons. You cannot go in that dispensary. So how many people have got concealed weapons permits that are out smoking dope? Good question. Now, here's one for you real quick. When Mike McGarry left, something took place in St. George. It was the murder mystery of the Littlefield people. It's, it's, I got it figured out now, but that's neither here nor there because it's got to go to court. At the time, I'm on the phone, on live on the air. I put a nuclear bomb up there on square top with a detonator in my hand when they were doing what they were doing. Did you know they were going to do a bunch of children? No, I did that not That really know that. made me mad. Yes, wow. they did. They were going to bury children, too. It was all this, this giddy-up go with the uh, uh, Mandalay Bay people, hmm. which I don't know why they lost their memories and had to do such, such disastrous uh, uh, stuff. But the part about the nuclear weapon, it's a true story, and it's still sitting hot on the, on iron. I'm still sitting out here assigned to Area 51 with nuclear bombs. Wow. Now, it, you, you figure this one out with the dispensary and what's going on and what the government's done to me, it will definitely fry your French fries, buddy. 
All right. Serious. All right. Thanks for the call. Appreciate that. We've got to get a commercial break in. Do want to thank Joe Shoney. He's a local loan consultant focusing on customer service. Now, if you go to the socialsurvey.me website, Joe averages 4.91 out of five stars. That's nearly 300 reviews, including this one from Cameron. He said, Joe and his team were awesome. They made the whole process go very smoothly. Five stars. Uh, here's one from Hal. Hal says they made sure it happened. Being on vacation when we were uh, close, they stayed in touch, making sure the closing would go smooth, whether it be 2 a.m. Utah time or 12 noon Hawaii time, trying to sign documents in the Marriott and Koalina Beach Club. Uh, they made it happen. Again, another five-star review. That's Joe Shoney, your local loan consultant focusing on customer services. Phone number is 435-590-6300. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We've got about eight minutes left in the show, eight or nine minutes. Uh, I did want to mention, you know, uh, Spencer Cox said he was going to uh, have a, a little, uh, I don't know, a get-together, uh, have you sign a petition to make sure they, I don't know if you knew this, but you officially have to have, uh, I don't know, 38,000 or something signatures to get on the actual ballot. And so, uh, and that, that includes everyone. Even if you're already the lieutenant governor, you've got to have the uh, signatures. So if you're a registered Republican, uh, Spencer Cox inviting you to his uh, signing and it's at Don Ibsen's Garage, 2158 West, 1800 North. I don't know where that is exactly. I know West is that way and North is that way. So I'm guessing out near Santa Clara, out that way, yeah. So uh, 2158 West, 1800 North for Don Ibsen's Garage to meet Spencer Cox tomorrow. Just got a uh, text from Spencer Cox that he loved being on the show and that uh, he promised to come back at some point. So, uh, all right, uh, open line still. Uh, let's go right to uh, line one. Caller, you're on with Andy. How are you today? Hello, Andy. I'm well. Uh, you know, I, actually, it's not a requirement to have enough signatures to get your name on the ballot. That's actually circumventing the caucus system that's existed in Utah for a long time. If Spencer Cox wants to get his uh, name on the ballot, all he has to do is win that position at the caucus. What he's doing is actually going around the caucus system, and that's a whole other matter. Uh, but, but I wanted to clarify that for accuracy. Okay. Uh, back to the guns. Yeah. Um, this is why I harp on the proper role of government so much, because it really does matter. So, Andy, can I take away your gun from you? Me as one citizen, can I say, Andy, you can't have a gun? Absolutely not. Why not? Because we're both citizens, and your rights should not infringe upon my rights. Exactly. And so we created the government. People came first, and then the government came. How is it that the government has superior rights to you and me? See, the government cannot have superior rights to the people who created it. I can't tell you that you can't have a gun because that's a natural right. That doesn't come from a government. Your right to protect yourself is a natural right. It comes from God. And if you don't believe in God, that's fine. You still have a natural right because you're a human being that lives on this planet. So how is it that you can have a governor who's a mere mortal, like the rest of us, mm -hmm. who doesn't have any more rights than the people does? How can he tell you, Andy, you can't have a gun, but as a citizen, he can't? Well, you know, I, I see what you're saying, and I actually read read what you sent me, uh, and I agree with most of it. I will say this, though. There are certain things that are against the law, things that we might consider right. What if my, you know, what if I, you know, I wanted to drive faster than is allowed? Well, there's a law. There's a speed limit, and they made that speed limit for my own protection. Are you saying we shouldn't have speed limits? Are you saying we shouldn't well, have seatbelt laws? 
It's not your natural right to speed through town. It is your natural right to protect yourself, and that's where the gun comes in. So let's don't let's don't muddy the water with all of these these peripheral issues. We're talking about basic natural rights: your right to life, to mm-hmm. protect yourself, your right to your liberty, for you to be able to travel and do and and be whatever it is you want, as long as you're not infringing upon somebody else's rights. And this is why the the proper role of government is so important because we now have allowed men and women to go into government and they have superior rights to the people who created the government. The government doesn't have the right to take away your gun in any way, shape, or fashion, unless, of course, you're harming somebody else or even threatening a legitimate threat. That's why we have sheriffs to come and enforce the law. I can't come to your house and threaten you with my gun. Right. Because I'm right. okay. But but the government doesn't have the right to take away my gun if I'm a uh, a law abiding citizen who simply is is having a gun on my person and going to a rally to support guns. And by the way, this thing in Virginia is going to be a uh, I, I think it's going to be a turning point in this country. If we can't push this back, uh, I'm afraid that that those people who think they have superior rights than us, those people in government, are, are going to take away other things. If they can take away our guns, Andy, what else can they take away? Everything, everything. Yeah, great great call today. I've got the three people on hold. Let's go to line three. Uh, caller, you're on with Andy. How are you? Doing well, Andy. Thanks. Uh, so I, I didn't get to hear anything that uh, Lieutenant Governor Cox mentioned. Did he talk about the tax reform thing at all? He did. He's against it. He basically said, I'm against it because they lumped too much together at once. Basically, he said there are some things that do need to be reformed, but to lump it all together was kind of irresponsible. That basically was his take. Well, I guess that's one good thing, but obviously he's still thinking that tax, some taxes do need to be added upon. Um, also, since you mentioned Don Ipson's garage, it's if anyone knows where Firehouse Park is at the top of Dixie Downs Drive, okay, it's on that same street. Oh, all right. Um, but I also just wanted to point out Don Ipson was in favor of the uh, tax reform law, so just some information to anyone out there who's interested in that. All right, very good. Thanks for the call. We're down to about uh, two and a half minutes left. Caller, what's your take today? Hi, Andy. Hey. On this, Virginia governor, he's the one who... Wanted to murder the babies after they survived abortion. Yes, he is. And soon as the legislature took power, unfortunately, Democratic power, they started going after people's guns, ammunition, high-capacity magazines, looking at assault weapons. But people seem to leave this out when they say there's this gun rally going on. It's people up in arms over to this guy trying to grab their guns. Yeah, that's what, well, that's what it's about. You bet. So, and then come out with this order for five days that they can't pack on that property or whatever. I wonder if there's anything in the courts. I guess one judge says, go ahead. Yeah, you're making the right to temporary ban people. Yeah, the ju- yeah, the judge backed him on it. I, I'm a little bit yeah. scared because if you, I mean, this is we the beginning it. of trying to take him away. And if, if you, we give the judge this power, yeah. What's going to happen, you know? So there's some big problems in Virginia, more than just the guns, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. Thanks for the call. i got one more caller we want to get in before the top of the hour. Caller, you got about a minute. What's up? That's me, right? Yep. All right. There are two ways I'm willing to let the government take away my guns. Okay. And I like my guns. 
Okay. There's two things. If, and it, A, it's got to come from the Democrats. It's got to be a it's got to be a bill that they're going to propose. And here it is. Ready? Yeah. The bill is A, no more abortions in the country. So so illegal abortions. Illegal abortions. Okay. okay. So no more abortions. Second, halt all immigration. There's no more immigration. Stop. Everything will now be organic. It'll all be organic. So you so you'd so be you'd whoever, be willing to trade guns for those two things to pass? Yeah. Okay. Because I know they will never take away abortions and I know they'll stop they'll never stop immigration. You're right. And guess what? That means I'm never gonna give up my guns ever. Awesome, awesome. Oh. Thanks for the call today. We're out of time. This has been the Andy Griffin Show. Thanks for joining me today. Again, thanks to Spencer Cox. That rally tomorrow for Republicans to get signatures is at Don Ibsen's Garage, 2158 West, 1800 North in St. George, out there by the Firehouse Park. Thanks for listening today. I'll be back on Monday.